0: Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 415. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Inside Science interview series, today's guest is Dr. Roger Cruz. Dr. Roger Cruz is a cognitive scientist, and his work examines how aging affects language and how language affects aging, and Dr. Cruz studies why language ability shapes our lives throughout its course. Dr. Roger Cruz will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates Program December 18th, 2019. And the title of his presentation is Language and Aging, A Resilient Relationship. This is perfect for the Not Old Better Show audience. Let me point out right here though, that the event is sold out. So please check out our website for details on how to sign up for the waiting list.
1: We acquire our native language seemingly without effort in infancy and early adulthood. Languages are a constant companion throughout our lifetime, even as we age. Indeed, compared with other aspects of cognition, language seems to be fairly resilient through the process of aging. In this book, we examine how aging affects language and how language affects aging.
0: And that, of course, is our guest today, Dr. Roger Cruz, reading from his new book, Changing Minds, How Healthy Aging Affects Language and How Language Affects Aging, co-authored with Richard Roberts. Please join me in welcoming to The Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Dr. Roger Cruz. Dr. Roger Cruz, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. This is uh, a fascinating subject. I think it's one that's getting an awful lot of attention. I'm excited to just jump right into this with you. But why don't you tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation?
1: Yes, I'm going to be giving a talk on my book, which was published in the fall. And uh, I actually wrote it in conjunction with a former student of mine who now works as a foreign service officer for the U.S. State Department. Unfortunately, he won't be able to join us because he is currently attached to the U.S. Consulate in Okinawa, Japan. So that's a bit of a, a bit of a hike from um, from Japan. So yeah. good. Well, we're looking
0: forward to it. As I say, I think this subject is one that um, our audience is going to be fascinated by. And so I, I, let, let's just begin by asking, what does our language ability um, how how does that remain resilient, and and how
1: does it shape our lives? So language as a cognitive ability seems to hold up better over time than other aspects of cognition, such as perception and memory. As we get older, our vision and our hearing to decline. Our ability to remember things may be affected as well. But some aspects of language really do uh, show a great deal of resilience. It really is the case that our ability to speak and to write continue to improve over time. So if you really want to describe the the full story about language and aging, it's much more complex and much more nuanced than many people realize. Yes, there is some decline, but there's also adaptation and even an enhancement. And I think it's very encouraging to realize that many of our gifted authors, such as Toni Morrison, who passed away earlier this year, continue to write very powerful works of literature into their 70s and 80s. So as a skill, it really does seem to be something that is uh, affected by aging, but not nearly as much as memory and perception. You mentioned Toni Morrison. So I'm curious, what what inspired you to write the book? Well, part of it was my own curiosity, but part of it was also the curiosity of my students. When I teach classes on cognition and language, my students often ask me questions that I, I couldn't answer. Like, how does your spelling ability change as you get older? Or what happens to people who stutter as they get older? I didn't know the answer to those questions. And so I went looking into the literature and started reading more and more of the language and literature, which had changed quite a bit since I had been in graduate school. And I discovered there's a great deal of information out there that simply was not really talked about very much in uh, a lot of uh, university classes. And so I really wanted to try to... Um, uh, bring that knowledge out and and let people know about these uh, more recent discoveries that have been made about language and aging. It's also the case that my publisher, the MIT Press, was interested in bringing a book out on this topic, and so it was a good alignment of both interest and opportunity that led to the book being written. So, what what have you learned then about the subject that's uh, that's
0: really? taken you by surprise and, and cause you to maybe step back and maybe reevaluate some things?
1: On the one hand, we know a great deal about college students and their language ability because they're kind of a captive uh, audience for our experiments. And we also know a great deal about older adults because, once again, they're more accessible to researchers and people who are younger. They may be living in retirement homes or they may um, be alumni who are happy to volunteer to be involved in research. But I discovered what I refer to as a missing middle problem in the published research. We know a lot less about what's happening in in language with people in their 30s and 40s and 50s compared to people who are younger or compared to people who are older. So there's this missing middle, and it makes it hard to tell a whole story about language development over time because we really do know most about the two ends of that continuum so in the in the book we really try to especially give some attention to research that has done the hard work of showing language Uh, changing over uh, the entire lifespan and not just looking at the younger and older portions of that spectrum.
0: We are with Dr. Roger Cruz. Dr. Cruz's new book is Changing Minds, How Aging Affects Language and How Language Affects Aging. It's from MIT Press. Uh, Dr. Cruz will be appearing at the Inside Science program entitled Language and Aging, A Resilient Relationship for Smithsonian Associates coming up Wednesday, December 18th. We appreciate uh, you joining us today, Dr. Cruz. I have a couple more questions. Our audience uh, certainly are, are those uh, over age 55, and, and they read a lot. Um, my own mom is 90. She reads a lot, and she's just completed a book of poetry. She's a, uh, a, a writer, uh, was, a, was a McClatchy uh, byline for, for many years, but she's still writing it. And so I wonder, as we age, do we, do we get the practice that we need, and, and do we even become more proficient at reading that helps us with our vocabularies, helps those grow. and And is this kind of an experience uh, related matter, or are there other factors like writing that that are helpful and important to uh, to kind of this this brain development as we age in language?
1: It really is kind of all of the above. It really is the case that experience seems to be very helpful. I was very surprised to realize that uh, vocabulary, is much larger in older adults than it is in younger adults. There was one study which showed that um, nursing home residents uh, actually have larger vocabularies than the college students. So a lot of people assume that younger people have, they read a lot because they have to <laughs> pass their classes. Um, but it's also the case that decades of experience with print really does provide uh, a much larger vocabulary than younger people have. So it really is the case that that's something that does uh, get uh, really does improve over time. And it's also the case that writing seems to be protective in terms of cognitive abilities. One study that we talk about in the book looked at people who uh, kept journals during their lifetimes compared to people who had not, and they actually recorded a 53% lower rate of dementia among the people who had kept journals over their lifetimes compared to a control group that didn't. It turns out that the effect was driven to some degree by people who used, surprisingly enough, longer words, which they defined as words being six letters or more. So it really does seem to be the case that vocabulary expands over time, and may even provide some protective uh, factors uh, with regards to cognitive abilities as we age. I I should point out though that these kinds of studies are correlational. That is, they can show an association, but they can't really tell us if A is causing B, if B is causing A, or if there's some other factor all these studies are by definition correlational. So we wanna be careful to uh, to make that point in terms of what these studies can mm-hmm. really tell us.
0: I mentioned my mom, she's 90 and she's kind of our family storyteller. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's always helpful to be um, engaged with the family, but also recounting and, and even remembering some of this. Is that is that something that, you, that, that you've that you studied and, and, and then you're thinking about in relation to this?
1: There's some really interesting research about how um, Older adults tell stories compared to younger adults. There is a stereotype that older adults are very bad storytellers. They're redundant. They don't take into account their audience. But in fact, a lifetime of telling stories does seem to be helpful. People learn how to tell stories over time and they also learn what things add interest. And so research has shown that people actually enjoy hearing stories told by older adults. Not maybe all older adults, not maybe one's own relatives, but in general, there does seem to be this uh, advantage of telling stories. And interestingly, stories are often told collaboratively. There's some research that shows that couples who uh, tell stories will often kind of take turns and kind of go back and forth, almost like an impromptu comedy duo trying to uh, deliver a story that's very interesting to an audience. And so, this is another case where practice and language kind of meet and lead to enhancement over the lifespan. Really interesting stuff. I
0: just have one final question for you, and it's kind of kind of the rage today, I think, maybe in vogue and popular are these brain games that, that yeah. we find everywhere, right? So. Is there something that's that's really that's proven and and uh, research based and outcomes oriented that that you've found that really you you might tip us off to our to our audience and say,
1: well, this is really good to improve your brain and language. Well, given the amount of interest in this topic and given the number of apps and, and stories you'll find in, in media, I think a lot of people will probably assume that this has been proven by science. Mm-hmm. That is the case that brain training is beneficial the actual research has not been kind to this idea of brain training. (laughs) It turns out, for example, that doing lots of crossword puzzles does one thing very clearly. It makes you better at solving crossword puzzles. But what the research doesn't show is kind of the holy grail of this, what psychologists refer to as transfer. That is, doing crossword puzzles would lead to a general increase or at least stability for cognitive abilities. And at least at this point in time, The answer seems to be no. Uh, Practicing these sorts of memory or language tasks makes you better and faster at those tasks, but it doesn't seem to lead to this kind of general cognitive benefit. Having said that, there is research, for example, that people who speak a second language uh, will uh, have... Uh, develop dementia at a later point in time than a control group. And so a lot of people have seized on the idea of learning a second language as a way to forestall uh, the effects of cognitive aging. But once again, the problem here is that it really has to do with um, people who have been bilingual their entire lives and use both languages all the time as compared to, for example, somebody learning French in their their 70s. It's not going to probably confer those same kinds of cognitive benefits. But the good news is that um, reading seems to do this. So brain training as a general phenomenon may not work, but it turns out that reading fiction has been shown to confer cognitive benefits. Even as little as 30 minutes a day, has been found to be beneficial. There was this large study that was done by the Yale Medical School. They found a 20% lower mortality rate for readers compared to non-readers. And the idea is that reading may require cognitive effort in the sense that if you're reading fiction, you're creating a narrative world in your head, keeping track of characters, their motivations. And that does seem to matter. Once again, this is a correlational study. But the researchers tried to control for a host of other factors that might be causing the effect. Things like gender, level of education, health status, marital status, level of affluence. And despite all of that, the effect persisted. So it really does seem like the bottom line issue here is that just as your physician might tell you to keep moving, a psychologist would tell you to keep reading and to keep writing. Those things really do seem to help.
0: Again, fascinating work. We really appreciate your time. We've been with Dr. Roger Cruz. Dr. Cruz's presentation, Wednesday, December 18th, 2019 is sold out at the Smithsonian Associates. The title is Language and Aging, a Resilient Relationship, it's popular. If you're interested in getting onto the waiting list, we'll have links where you can find that information. We'll have links to Dr. Roger Cruz's book, Changing Minds, How Aging Affects Language and How Language Affects Aging, all in our show notes. But Dr. Roger Cruz, thank you so much for your time and your work. We really appreciate this. This is great stuff. Well, thank you. My thanks to Dr. Roger Cruz. Dr. Roger Cruz will be appearing at the Smithsonian Associates Program December 18th, 2019, and the title of his presentation is Language and Aging, A Resilient Relationship. The event is sold out, so please check out our website for details on how to sign up for the waiting list. My thanks to the Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show, and my thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Happy holidays, everyone, and let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show.